Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return-to-play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student-athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking FRC with Utah State's Joey Burglis. Guys, Joey's going to dive right into it, getting into the meat and potatoes of everything that goes on with FRC and how they're using it down at Utah State, including how they're evaluating their athletes, how they're implementing it, how they're putting it in both globally as in as a team view, and then for each individual player they have out there on the football team. This is a really awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Joey, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Hey, awesome, man. Glad to be on. Yeah, so listen, let's just give everybody the quick rundown Spark Notes Cliff version, uh, Cliff Notes version of how you got out there to, you know, out in Utah and, and what you're doing and, and everything you guys got going on out there. For sure. So I started uh, after college. I interned for a year at a small NAI school in uh, Central Florida. It's called Weber International University. Mm-hmm. When I was there, uh, one of the assistants had been a GA at Utah State. Uh, so that was kind of the first time I'd ever heard about Utah State. He was only there for a couple months, and then a full-time job opened up at uh, Utah State, so he left. Uh, and then, so kind of fast-forwarding, 
After that year, I GA'd for two years at a Division II school in St. Louis called Lindenwood University. When I was finishing up there, that, uh, that coach that had left to come back to Utah State, he was taking another job uh, at a private high school in Pittsburgh uh, and basically said that, you know, he was recommending me for the job. I was finishing GA, GAing, so I needed a job. So that's kind of how things fell, fell in the line, and I've been here a little over three years. So that was kind of how I got in at uh, Utah State uh, here. That's awesome, man. It's, it's great how those connections can pay dividends. And, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Cam Davidson, said that you guys are doing some pretty interesting stuff with, with the FRC down there with, with the football team. And now, I, I guess let's start out with, with a two-part question with that. What is it? Because you see a lot of it, and it kind of just looks uh, gymnastics-y. And how do you get, because you guys don't have young men, you guys have grown men um, that are football players to buy in and get into that? Yeah. Uh, so basically, kind of what FRC is, it's a, it's a systematic approach to improving uh, mobility. And basically... Uh, the way to kind of define mobility or the way they define it, the way that I've kind of come to define it is, you know, active range of motion. So what you neurologically can control actively. So you think a good example I give people is if you pull, like you do a, a high knee pull or pull your knee to your chest, you can probably pull it up pretty high or whatever, but then can you actively do that same thing? And most people can't come anywhere close. Like you might be able to pull your knee past your, you know, midline, past your belly button. But if I asked you to, you know, with good, just using uh, basically your hip flexors to be able to pull your knee up. Most people couldn't come anywhere close to that. So that's kind of the difference between flexibility and mobility. So flexibility is what you can achieve passively kind of without neurological input. Mobility is what you can actively kind of control. Um, so that's kind of knowing that and that kind of builds off kind of everything that you do or that we work towards of being able to, first of all, if you don't have passive range of motion, that's the first thing that we need to improve. So if you only have like, say, 45 degrees of straight leg flexion, your hamstrings are tight or however you want to look at it, that's the first thing that we need to do. So if you don't have very much range of motion, you're going to be able to probably neurologically control it. But the more range of motion that you have, that's where you see a lot of people like, um, like people that, I don't want to generalize, but like yoga or people like that that can control these huge ranges of motion. But can they actively control, you know, if I can take my hamstring all the way back here, can I neurologically fire it all the way back here? And chances are they're probably only going to be able to fire it right here. They have all this range of motion right here that they can't neurologically control. And there's a reasoning why for that. So that's kind of uh, one of the, the premise of the system. So uh, getting for us, I should say, from an athletic population of the, the gymnastic stuff and stuff that you see, that's kind of where, and it's tough. And like, that's kind of where you look at like, oh man, I, I wish our guys could do that or whatever. Uh, you know, people that rock climbers, gymnasts, ballerinas that live in those extreme ranges of motion, even like Brazilian jiu-jitsu players, MMA, that live in these, that's what they do. When you look at football, basketball, baseball, a lot of these other sports, well, baseball pitchers, you're going to be living in extreme external rotation. So that's kind of a bad example. But you look at a lot of these sports, you probably don't necessarily need to be able to get to those ranges of motion. And the same kind of concept, it's, you don't just wake up one day and I want to bench 405 and six weeks later I bench 405. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing when you look at like mobility and things like that. If you have someone that can't move at all, you're not talking about, you know, weeks or months. Like if you really want to get someone to that extreme range, that's like years and years and years. 
we don't have that amount of time to work for it. And you have to work on building strength, you know, muscle mass, speed, you know, all your other uh, metabolic work, all those different factors. So it's kind of with the FRC stuff for us of getting guys to move better. If they can move better, it's going to affect our ability to gain strength and gain muscle, or, uh, put on muscle mass. Because a good example is if you don't have good ankle dorsiflexion or you can't move your ankle very far, you're not going to be able to squat very well, squat very deep, Olympic style. So you're going to have trouble putting on muscle mass, strength, however you want to look at it, onto your quads. And I think you see that a lot with, you know, probably basketball players, for example, that have really bad ankles. And a lot of times, yeah, they have long femurs and things like that, but they're not able to really load up the quad like that. So that's kind of one of the premises. We want to be able to Olympic squat. Not everyone's going to be able to Olympic squat. Everyone's going to have limitations. We want a majority of our guys to be able to get a good Olympic, you know, butt down to the floor squat. Because if they can do that, the quads are under a tremendous amount of stretch. We're putting a tremendous amount of load on the quads. That's going to help the quads grow. It's going to help them get stronger. That's going to help them put on muscle mass. So when we get these guys that come in that need to develop, that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why we want to squat that way. So if a guy needs to put on 30, 40 pounds, that's kind of the big thing for us. But if their ankles can't work, we're going to have a lot, a lot of problems. And we, I think we've seen really good results and probably other people have too. If you get people that come in that can't move very well, that they're going to have a problem putting on strength, putting on muscle to a certain degree. If you get someone that comes in that might be really weak, but they can bend well, they can move well over three, four or five years, you're going to have a lot better uh, success utilizing a lot of different uh, strength training techniques, uh, loading methods and things like that to get them stronger, bigger and things like that. So with the FRC, it kind of works into our whole overall philosophy of being able to move good, being able to stay healthy. So if you're hurt, it doesn't matter if you can squat 500 pounds, if you're only playing three games a year, it doesn't really help us. So being able to keep guys on the field, keep them moving good, but then also be able to, from a, like I said, a strength training standpoint, putting on the muscle mass, even, you know, you look at it from an acceleration standpoint, if you can't get your knee out over your toe or you can't dorsiflex well, you're going to have not very, you're not going to be able to accelerate as well as you could because your angles aren't going to be very well. Same as like cutting, changing direction. So it's kind of a, 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 bit, a holistic philosophy for us. So the stuff that we do, we're trying to get guys better we not we're probably not working towards that end range the kind of the cool stuff that you might see online of oh man that like that looks awesome or whatever like that's years and years and years away and you're probably not spending a whole lot of time you know four or five days a week lifting doing all the other things that we have to focus on when we're working with athletes so how do you evaluate what needs to work on where and then how do you progress through things so we do uh, one of the parts of the FRC system. It's called FRA, which stands for functional range assessment. So we do that on all of our uh, football guys. So basically it's a joint boy joint assessment of, you know, going from your, your big toe to your ankle to your hip, uh, shoulder, spine, neck, all these different, uh, all the different joints within your body looking at active and passive range of motion. So we do that on all of our guys. And that gives us an individual kind of structure to work with of what we need to focus on. And then uh, the stuff that we do in lifting or as part of our program, we also give them their own individual mobility or the stuff that they need to work on on their own that we push consistently 10, 15 minutes, you know, four or five nights a week to get them better. With that said, uh, you could probably generalize for 90 to 95% of people, a couple of big areas that most people need to work on. And that's kind of what we look at uh, with that, so you're looking at hip internal rotation, shoulder internal rotation, uh, hip external rotation. Those are kind of, the, I would say, the big three for the most part. And then uh, the ankles uh, 
and then other areas that that might be a problem so like for us uh with football or something like that we've been doing a lot of shoulder abduction work in addition to our other shoulder stuff so when you look at not just injuries and performance all kind of goes together but guys defensive guys they have to make a one-arm tackle when you're all the way back here which is what shoulder abduction is so if i'm a linebacker and i'm kind of tied up and i have to try and make a tackle right here if my shoulder can't move very well right here I'm either not going to make the tackle or something's going to pop right here, or there could be an issue. So like when we're going through training camp right now, and even into July, we were kind of working more so on that stuff. Where if you ask us what we're doing in January and February, it's going to be different because we're six, seven months away from playing. It's a different, like kind of the same way you periodize lifting, you know, maybe you're focusing on more developing more muscle mass in January and February in the off season compared to June and July, you're doing a lot more, uh, sprint work, you're doing a lot more uh, change of direction work, kind of the same stuff with that. So like the same, we're working a lot more on like ankle inversion, eversion right now in training camp. And then July, just because from an ankle sprain standpoint, all the cuts, the change of directions that guys are making now in season and training camp, it's a lot different than what they're doing in January and February. And we're so we're still limiting on time. And I mean, as you know how it is that you can't, there's obviously probably a hundred things we like to focus on, but you kind of have to try and prioritize what your biggest bang for your buck is at that time. So that's kind of, uh, you know, how we individualize stuff and prioritize stuff. And then we do a lot of the stuff in the warm up, I guess you would say. And that's probably one of the biggest areas I would say that's changed a lot for us is how we approach our warm ups and how we're doing that stuff. So, like I said, your biggest areas that most people are going to struggle with hip internal rotation for sure. So that's something that we've been working on a ton pretty much every day when we do a warm up, and we've seen really, really good results with, doing a lot of that stuff in the warm-up, which, yes, it's preparing them for what they're doing that day, but it's also kind of from a long-term perspective that we want to get that stuff in. And it's an area that uh, if you just ask someone to internally rotate their hip, you see a ton, a ton of compensations. That's kind of one of the things that we've noticed, of whether using their lower back, using something else, which isn't hip internal rotation. You should be able to, your femur should be able to move uh, basically within the, the acetabulum of your hip. So you should be able to rotate like this. It shouldn't be where your pelvis is going with your hip when you're internally rotating. That's, so that's one of the areas that we've had to spend time doing it. And guys, is from the buy-in standpoint, guys have seen a lot of progress. And guys, like you walk through our locker room before practice, yes, we're telling some guys to do stuff, and we have a plan pre-practice what we're doing. But you see a bunch of guys doing their shoulder stuff, their hip stuff, whatever, and your, their neck stuff or whatever, and we're not telling them to do it. So from a buy-in standpoint, like guys are seeing like, wow, my hip – maybe it's been hurting me for kind of three years. We've been doing this stuff and my hip feels better. Or like one of our offensive linemen uh, who had ho- horrible hip internal rotation, like one degree. So one degree is you barely move it at all. And there's a restriction, absolutely horrible. After a couple months of, you know, focusing on this stuff, doing it on his own, I put him, I, I retested him and he got to, he was at like 10 or 12, which still isn't great, but it's a huge, huge improvement. And he'd had chronic knee problems and you kind of talking to him like, yeah, my knees don't hurt anymore whatever. It's like, wow, well, cause your hip can actually move now. So now maybe instead of creating some movement through your knee or kind of that area that you're actually able to get it through your hip. So that's kind of where from a buy-in standpoint of we coach it hard, just like we would coach lifting or anything else. And we focus on it, we prioritize it. And then guys are kind of seeing the benefits of, wow, my shoulder doesn't move or it hurts or I can't do this. And then trying to, with that, make it, uh, make them understand how it applies to their sport. So if you're a defensive back and you can't internally rotate your hip, if, I, if I'm backpedaling and I have to turn and run, someone's running a nine route and I got to open up, my hip can't internally rotate. My step is probably going to be a little bit less. So I have to take another step to get back to where I'm in a straight line. So 
we can technically get you faster coming in and out of your breaks just by getting your hip to open up a little bit more. So explaining that to them and that concept and every defensive back or any skill guy, I want to run faster. Well, here's a way that can help you run faster. We're not doing any plyos. We're not doing any speed work specifically for that. So that's kind of trying to help them relate to what they actually do and movements they do in their sport where it's like, wow, you know, this can help me or this can make me faster. So you run this test on like a hundred guys? Yeah. Yeah. And the actual test, the actual, if you do, we do a modified version of it. The actual test will probably, cause it's really in depth and it's, it takes a while. It's probably going to run you 30 to 40 minutes per guy. We do a modified, so we do a modified version of that where we cut out some of the stuff just because, like I said, when you're working with that many guys, it takes forever. Uh, we cut it down to where it's about like 10 minutes a guy. So it was literally like three days when we were taking everybody through, three days, pretty much eight hours a day going through it. Now, we might only, we'll probably, we only do that maybe once or twice a year. But the nice thing about it is if I tell you that you need to work on hip internal rotation, I know what your hip internal rotation is. It's in your program. It's really easy, and I do it all the time during workouts or before workouts after. Hey, lie down on your back because you can't cheat it unless I'm doing a bad test or whatever. You can't cheat, you know, like your whatever that is. So when I look at it, I'm like, oh, wow, man, this is like a lot better. You've been doing your stuff? Yeah, I've been doing your stuff. I can tell. Or I, you get some people down, have you been doing your stuff? Uh, like, no, you haven't because this looks the exact same as it did six weeks ago type of thing. You know what I mean? So that's kind of – the nice thing about it is that we do we run the gamut of the assessment, but we'll break it down or we can just do it individually if a guy has a shoulder or wrist. That's the other thing, too. Guys coming off like a, a wrist surgery or another thing, that might be in, a, in their assessment, but it's not in somebody else's assessment. So, like, if someone's had a knee, like an ACL or any type of knee surgery, we'll look at knee extension. So, even though you might have had your surgery a year ago, does your knee fully lock out? Does it extend? Whereas, I'm not going to we're not going to do that for everybody. Cause like I said, that's just going to keep taking time and time and time. And when you're working with that many people, you just, it's, it's mm -hmm. tough to try and limit the time. So, so since, I mean, obviously everybody's going to be different, but there are going to be some commonalities across the board, whether it be positionally or sport or whatever, when you're implementing this pre-practice, are you, are there like, like levels or is it like everybody basically does like the key movements and then you just go from there? So kind of within the system, there's different, I guess, uh, methods or things that you'll do. So probably from a pre-practice standpoint, one of the big things that we do, they're called CARS, which stands for controlled articular rotations. So basically what it is, it's whatever the joint you're working is, challenging it to go through its full range of motion, whatever that might be. So I can give you, can you see me very well right mm -hmm. now? So I can do a shoulder car right now. So I'm going through every motion of the shoulder. So I'm into flexion. I'm internally rotating. I'm internally rotating while I'm coming back. I'm going back into extension, but I'm still internally rotating and I'm coming down to my side. So I'm going back into extension. I'm still internally rotating. I'm doing a bad job. I'm probably compensating right now. I'm coming all the way up. So all the motions coming through my shoulder right now, and I'm coming back down. So that's every motion that the shoulder can do. And we're, if you think about it as a circle, we're trying to expand each little inch that I can get into flexion without compensating with my lower back or whatever. So that's a lot of what we do from a pre-practice standpoint, shoulders, ankles, hips, neck, thoracic spine, 
if someone has wrist problems, they'll do wrist, elbows, uh, tibial rotation. So like I said, every joint in the body should be able to move in some, some capacity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people can do toe cars, big toe cars. Most people can't even move their big toe. I can't move my big toe very well. So that's not one, whatever, but that gives you an idea of kind of a good example with that. I can move my finger, this one, I can move this one, I can move them all because I use my hands all the time. You should be able to move each individual toe by itself. Now, I can't do it, 99% of people can't do it because we're in shoes all day and we don't have to use fine motor skills, but that's a trained quality that you can have. There's no reason why I, can't, I have to move my big toe and my little toe together. Same way I don't have to move my, I can move this finger and I can move this finger, but I don't have to move all of them together. So that's kind of the relationship that the nervous system has. There's no tissue limitation there. It's a neurological, basically we're untrained. And that's kind of a little off topic, but that's kind of where, uh, you know, you see babies, they can all full squat. You know what I mean? As we get older, we don't train those ranges of motion. So the nervous system basically takes away those ranges of motion from us. It's not necessarily that my tissues are physically short. It's that if I don't use a range of motion, my nervous system will kind of, and it relates back to neuroplasticity, If I don't use that range of motion, my body is going to try and conserve as much energy as possible, then it's going to take it away. So that's why you get someone that can full squat as a baby. They sit in a chair all day or they sit at a desk all day for the next 30, 40 years, and they can't squat below, or they can't even get close to parallel, they can't squat below parallel. It's not necessarily because of a tissue thing. It's because the nervous system has just lost that ability. So you have to retrain it and regrain it. So that's why, especially for like youth athletes or younger athletes, that's why, personally, I feel that training through a full range of motion is so, so important. And you look at a lot of Olympic weightlifters that started when they were really, really young and maybe don't even train anymore, but I've seen a lot of them that can still have phenomenal mobility and don't even work it anymore because they've been doing it for such a long time and they kept that ability that they don't even have to train it anymore. They can still pop down into a full squat. So that's kind of, I know that was kind of off topic, but that's kind of how the nervous system works and it relates to the FRC system of in, improving the joint's capacity to be able to move But then it's also when you look at uh, the neurological firing. So like I said, if I can move back here, but I don't have much strength right here, I might be mobile, but I'm not very strong. And that's kind of where when you look at it from an injury, injury mitigation or however you want to look at it standpoint of mobility is important and strength are important. So I don't think you can really generalize and say one's more important than the other because they both work hand in hand, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I can be, if I'm really strong in a box, this little area, that's really good. And I'll probably be fine right here. But as soon as I said, like that example, if I can't move my arm back here and I can't fire it very well, that's probably going to be a shoulder problem waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. Or if I get hit there or whatever. And that's where, when you look at the extreme ranges of motion, that's where a lot of the injuries and stuff happen. So like you sprain an ankle, you roll an ankle, you get out of a position where you have no strength or your tissues aren't used to being, and then the soft, the, the, the ligament or something gets strained, teared, torn, whatever. So that's where you could be really strong in a short box, but if you expand your box, that's good. But if you don't have any strength out here, so that's like where I was saying, like the, the yoga example or whatever, that we're trying to build strength through that full range of motion. So. No, I love it, man. You know, and it's funny that the people that, that do these classes and, and implement this, really speak highly of it, but it's something that still is really kind of like underground fight clubby almost, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so where can people go to find out more about this? Because it is intriguing. Yeah. Uh, so the best place is probably Instagram. 
because there's a bunch of people that are posting a bunch, bunch of really good stuff. So if you look at, uh, they've got like their own official pages. So it's functional range conditioning. Uh, and then it's called kin stretch, which is basically like a group. It's FRC in a sense, but it's done in a group setting. Uh, that's where a lot of really, really good information is posted. The other thing too is taking a class is really obviously probably the best way. Uh, but then if you could find as, as the, cause it's still a relatively new kind of system as the, as it's been expanding, there's more, I guess you would call it practitioners that are coming up across the country and kind of across the world. That's how we got introduced to it. Uh, at first, one of our athletes had been doing it with somebody else was telling us about it. We were kind of seeing it online and didn't really know what it was about. We found someone in our area. It was a chiropractor that had taken a couple of the classes. Uh, this athlete spoke really highly of him. We set up a consultation with him and, uh, that was last May, uh, and it was kind of, we walked away and it was kind of like, oh, wow, like, this is phenomenal. You know what I mean? It was like two hours. And it's like, wow, we just learned stuff that we've never even heard of before. Like, and we started doing it and we were doing it. And it's like, wow, I, I've never felt like this before. So that was kind of our introduction for it. So that would be the other really good thing I would say is try and find someone around in your area or wherever you can and get them to actually show it. Because it's tough sometimes to see, watch a video or see something online and not really, uh, maybe do it correctly or understand kind of the, a lot of it's built around tension too. So you might see a movement. So I could do a movement like this, whatever, or I could do a movement where I'm squeezing up as hard as I can. That's giving me a different change. So this and doing this where I'm getting maximal tension coming into shoulder flexion, that's sending a different signal into my shoulder capsule. So that's, and that's maybe something that you can't maybe pick up online in a video, but if you have someone that can show you that or coach you that or whatever, you're going to, uh, pick up on that stuff better. So that would kind of be the, the areas that I would look at. Well, and obviously you're just getting a snapshot online too. So you don't know what they did before or after or in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I love it, dude. Joey, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. Now you put a bunch of this stuff out on, on your socials too. So uh, let's make sure we drop your Instagram in here. So people get you a follow of that too. Cause you do put some cool stuff, especially the stuff like, what was it? last friday or thursday where you put like the guys actually doing it in the warm-up um i think that the, the warm-up was the, it was it the upper body one yeah the, the show, yeah so the uh the one where they were up like this and they're doing that shoulder uh or the elbow extension with shoulder extension yep and then there was like there was one just a few days ago the the ankle where they were doing the, okay, yeah. yeah, where they were on all fours, or well, they weren't yeah. quite on all fours, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, like awesome stuff. So what's that handle so people can make sure they follow you out there? Uh, Joey, J-O-E-Y, Burglis, B-E-R-G-L-E-S. Awesome, man. Joey, can't thank you for spending the time with us today, Bo. This is killer. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Cheers. We'll be in touch real soon. All right. Take it easy. See ya. And a huge thanks to Joey Burgles for spending the time with us today. Guys, you just can't thank the man enough. Make sure you give him a uh, follow, J-O-E-Y-B-E-R-G-L-E-S, on the Instagram. He does. He puts out some really cool stuff. And it. I've been watching it, trying to figure out what they're doing. And it's, it's really driving me to want to check out one of these classes. So, Joey, can't thank you enough for all your sharing and, and your open and honest sharing with us today. And guys, as always, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. If you know someone that could take something from this talk, shoot, them in, uh, shoot it to them in the DMs. 
Go ahead, tag them on Twitter, whatever it is. Again, we are just trying to get the best information out to all the great coaches out there. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.